this week on Hope for the Broken. We can accomplish many projects and fail at the primary thing that God calls us to. But we live in a demanding world that requires so much for us, and it is far too easy, beloved, for us in our day and time to build houses and never build our home. But I would encourage you to come to the realization that there is no more important task than that of building a home. Welcome to Hope for the Broken, the audio podcast ministry of Trinity Baptist Church in Mount Pleasant, Texas. I'm your host, Austin Mahoney. We exist to become a gospel-centered community, redeeming brokenness through hope in Jesus Christ. At Trinity, we believe we are all broken and in need of the redeeming hope found in Jesus. For more information about our church, visit us on our website at trinitytx.org. This week, we continue our sermon series called Biblical Family in a Modern World. Here's our pastor, Chris Wigley, with part two titled, A House or a Home. Well, good morning again. and uh, I am uh, excited about today's message as we continue in our teaching series called A Biblical Family in a Modern World. Last week, we kicked that off with a message that I entitled The Design as we took a look at God's design for marriage. Today, we continue in that teaching series as we take a look at the subject of whether or not we are building a house or a home. So I want to invite you to take your Bibles and turn with me to Psalm 127. We're going to be in Psalm 127 here this morning as we see the difference between building houses and building godly homes. I'm just curious, how many uh, Fixer Upper fans are in the room? You guys know the television show Fixer Upper? Okay, a few of you. I I hope that your projects turn out well because mine never turn out the way in which I set out to do those kinds of projects. And, uh, but, but in that show, Fixer Upper, uh, Chip and Joanna Gaines have built an empire of, uh, as they have, uh, turned old dilapidated homes into beautiful houses. Usually the show starts off with a couple that scrounges up enough money to purchase this old house and uh, desires to have it completely renovated. In many cases, it's almost completely rebuilt and completely restored. And Chip and Joanna come alongside. Chip is the contractor. Joanna is the decorator. And they form a duo in order to build these awesome homes. And the, sh- the episode usually ends as, as there's a, a giant picture of what the old home looked like, and then they pull it away, and they're floored at what the new home uh, looks like. And, uh, and they've turned what was a dilapidated home into a beautiful house. I know several of you are currently building or working on building a home for your family. You understand full well the pains of approving plans, of monitoring progress, of picking out furnishings, all whilst trying to stay within a budget. And here, though, the question that we're asking is not how you build a house. Instead, we want to look much deeper. We want to talk about how you build a home. Are you building a house or are you building a home? There is a difference. God wants us to not just build houses. God's calling upon our lives as parents and as grandparents and and as hopeful parents is to build homes, godly homes. 
And Psalm 127 gives us key insights as to what God's plan is in doing that. We're going to examine the foundations. We're going to look at the functions and then the finishings as we uh, walk through this psalm together. But I want to read the entirety of the psalm, and so I want to invite you to follow along in your copy of God's Word, Psalm 127, verses 1 through 5. This is what God's Word says. Unless the Lord builds the house... Those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives his beloved sleep. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. Let's first begin as we seek to build godly homes, looking at the foundations of a godly home. You know, the foundation to any structure is vitally important. In fact, it's arguably the most important part of any structure. And you consider the, the amount of work that goes into just laying a foundation. I mean, there's dirt work, there's soil testing, there's underneath the slab work, and then there's the laying of the slab and the investigating of the slab, because if the slab goes wrong, the whole structure goes wrong. If the foundation is off, the whole structure will be off. The same is true in building godly homes. We must lay a solid foundation. I'm going to talk to you about principles on how to do that in just a moment. But before we get there, I think there's some great insight by looking into the background of this very psalm. I want you to notice the inscription that is written prior to verse 1. In your copy of of God's Word, you'll see Psalm 127, but then you'll see an inscription, a song of ascent of Solomon. Now, a song of ascent is important to point out because what songs of ascents were for was for families to sing together on their way to worship God at church, the temple. And it was called an ascent because the, the people would dwell in the valleys of Jerusalem, but they would ascend quite literally to the temple mount where the temple was, was constructed. And so as they were ascending, they would sing this together. Now, also within the temple, as you went from one court to another, uh, in a particular area of the temple, there were a series of 15 stair steps. Well, guess how many songs of ascent there are? 15. And so the priest would step and sing each song of ascent as they made their way up the stairs uh, there in temple worship. The point being that this centers us on the idea of family and a family attending temple to worship God and doing so together. Right? So this is a song of ascent. We also learned that it is of Solomon. We know who Solomon is, King Solomon. That is to give us a clue as to who authored this very song. King Solomon is the son of King David. And King Solomon, we we learn a lot about King Solomon in the scriptures. The Bible describes Solomon as the wisest man on earth. And we know about Solomon that he had quite a bit of experience in building structures. David never got to build the temple, but his son Solomon got to build the temple. 
Solomon also built cities and he built palaces and he even built vacation homes. He knew construction. In fact, most scholars believe that Solomon sent a, spent a series of 20 years just constructing structures. Uh, he went from one project to the next. But to be the wisest person on earth, Solomon had many failures. Though he was a great builder, he failed at relationships. You know how many wives Solomon had? 600. Not a smart man, right? And on top of that, he had other mistresses. In other words, Solomon built awesome houses, but Solomon never built a home. You know, it is possible for us to build houses and neglect building our homes. You know, we have a lot to learn from the wisest man on the earth, from Solomon. Consider his words later in life. As he was looking back upon his life, he penned the book Ecclesiastes. In the opening chapter, verses 2 and 3 of Ecclesiastes, Solomon writes, Vanity of vanities, says the preacher, vanity of vanities. All is vanity. What does a man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun? In other words, as Solomon looked back on all of his accomplishments, he came to the conclusion that he accomplished nothing. Herein lies the great focus for us today, right? We can accomplish many projects and fail at the primary thing that God calls us to. Beloved, this is an opportunity for us to reorder our priorities, to focus on that which is most important. We must give attention to that which will outlive us. What will outlive us? Most likely your children and their children and their children onto generations and to generations so long as the Lord tarries. But we live in a demanding world that requires so much for us, and it is far too easy, beloved, for us in our day and time to build houses and never build our home. But I would encourage you to come to the realization that there is no more important task than that of building a home. Another thing that's important that speaks into our study of this psalm is that it's broken into two sections. Verses 1 and 2 is the first section, and verses 3 through 5 is the second section. Now this is important because there are a comparison and a contrast. In the first section, you have uh, what is the wrong focus. You have somebody uh, spending time on building their careers, which there's nothing wrong with building a career. But when that becomes the sole focus at the expense of relationships, then it's problematic. Because then in verses 3 through 5, we have a focus on the family. And, and it's almost as if even the structure of the psalm speaks to us to say, it is easy to follow down the wrong path, and, and it is difficult to realize what is the correct amount of energy and direction of our lives. Let's read it again, verses 1 and 2, and see the wrong approach. It says, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. And unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. The word vain meaning emptiness. It is in vain, it is empty, that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil. 
for he gives to his beloved sleep. In other words, this is a picture of an individual that has so been dedicated to their career that it is filled with extended work days and anxiety and worry. That is the chief end of making the, allowing that to consume our lives. This is the incorrect example. Oh, but then the psalmist gives us the correct example. In verse 3, he says that children are a blessing from the Lord. In other words, focus not so much on careers, but focus more on your families. Unless the Lord builds. That's something you can't do. It's what the Lord does. Unless the Lord watches, something you and I can't do, the Lord has to do it. Unless you and I allow the Lord to build our homes, we will only live in houses. What does it mean to allow the Lord to build the home? Well, I want to point your memory back to the gospel accounts, to the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 7. As Jesus is ending this best sermon ever preached on the face of the planet because it was preached by the Lord Jesus himself, as he ends it, he does so with an illustration. And he says, those who hear these words of mine and put them into practice is like the wise man who built his house upon the rock. But those who hear these words of mine and do not put them into practice is like the foolish man who built his house on the sand. The storms came, the rain fell, and the flood rose. But we learn from his example that the home that endured was that home that was built upon the rock because the home built upon the sand was washed away. When we talk about the foundations of a godly home, and we talk about the importance of building a home, not just a house, we're talking about building it upon the rock of God's holy word. There is a timeless truth that has proven itself over and over and over again. That timeless truth being God's own words, the Holy Bible. When we talk about the foundations of a godly home, we're talking about it being built upon the word of God. This is the foundation for a home. Now let's talk practically for a second. How do we do this? Like how do we build godly homes here and not just build a house? I heard a pastor once say, God grows our children in the twin gardens of family and church. Biblical families are grown by harnessing both the home and the church. Don't you think about it for a moment? At our church, we only have about 104 hours a year to invest in your children. Only 104. The average person, the average child spends about two hours a week at church. Multiply that by 52 weeks, and there you have 104 hours in a given year. However, parents have 8,736 hours with their children. A godly home recognizes the fact that I must harness both my home time and church time in order to influence the next generation. So let's talk practically about those two environments. First, the home. Did you know it was God's design from the very beginning that the home be the primary spiritual educators of children? 
It was never designed for the church to be the primary spiritual educator of the home. It was always set up that the home would do that. I want to show you that in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. God speaks to Moses, and Moses delivers this word to parents, to the people. And he says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be upon your heart. And you, parents, shall teach them diligently to your children. Notice the parent responsibility there. Keep going. And you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. And you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. And you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. That is activity that is supposed to happen at home. The point being that God's design is that you are to harness the time that you have with your family for spiritual education. Let's talk about the second environment, the second garden, if you will. It's the church. I read one family expert this week that said every kid needs a tribe. Every kid needs a a group to belong to. And that's so very true. And to be honest, this is where the church comes in. Because I will tell you this, parents and grandparents, your kids and your grandkids will become like the tribe by which they belong. There is no greater influence upon our lives than the people that we choose to associate with. And so it's vitally important to have a tribe that will encourage us, spur us on towards a life of godliness. And where do you find that? Where do you have the greatest chance of finding such a tribe? Well, I would say that that's where the church comes in. By harnessing home time and harnessing church time, you leverage 8,840 hours a year to influence your kids. Here's the thing that I need you to know and understand. Parents, mom, dad. Building relationships require two things time, and presence. We must make a commitment to say we want time and presence to build within our kids a tribe. And if that's for the church, then we've got to be committed to them being plugged in to church activities. We must work to lay a strong foundation in our homes, and we do that by allowing the Lord to build the house. How does the Lord build the house? The Lord leverages home time and church time. Now, that's the foundation. Let's look and turn to the functions within the home. Every house has certain ways they function. Some people even have automated homes. You may be one of those those people where you can log in remotely, and you could set thermostats, you could turn off lights. You know, you have this automated home functioning system, which is awfully nice because, you know, then you're wondering, like, you know, did we close the garage? Like, or is it just wide open? And you're off on vacation somewhere out of state and, and you're worried about what's happening back home and automated homes, man, you just said touch of a button, you can lock everything and everything's good. Sometimes there are appliances. Within the home, everybody's got a refrigerator, a dishwasher. Anybody have a dishwasher go out? It's the worst, right? That is torture. 
right? That is God saying, I want you to see what life and eternity in hell looks like, right? And, and, and the function wasn't functioning right. Other times there's, there's, there's uh, repairs that need to be done in the home. And, 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 it's, and it's a challenge at times. But when we talk about not just our houses, we talk about a home, we've got to order our functions of our home according to biblical guidelines and biblical instruction. And, and so I want to do that by looking at verses 3 through 5. As we read these verses again, here's what I want you to see. I want you to highlight or underline the components of a home. When you talk about the functionings of the home, you're looking at components. What are the components that make up a home? Let's read it together, verses 3 through 5. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. The functions, the occupants here of the home we see is a man, verse 5, a wife, verse 3. How do you know we have a wife? Well, it's a fruit of the womb. And then children, also verse 3. These are the focus of functionings within the home environment. Now, in our series, we're going to break them down as to the responsibilities that each member of the family has. And so next week, we're going to talk about a husband's role. I know it's Labor Day, and I chose it on purpose because you wives are going to make sure your husbands are at church, right? And and so we're going to talk about that, but don't get too comfortable, ladies. We're going to talk about the wife's role. Kids, we're going to talk about your role in the home. And so each person has a function, but the thing that I want you to notice regarding the function is the contrast between the first two verses and these final three. The first section is filled with anxiety, eating the bread of anxious toil. The second section is filled with blessing. The first verses highlight the focus on building careers and houses and accomplishments. The second focuses on investing in the family. The point of verses 3 through 5 is that building careers should not be at the expense of your family and that work is important, but you should not pay the price of your family. Verses 1 and 2 highlight working tirelessly, only leading to anxiety and emptiness. But focusing on your family leads to blessing in verse 5. In other words, building a home requires a shift in our perspective. We need to focus on relationships, not just projects. Focus on relationships, build relationships, not just projects. Jesus said that this way, what would it profit a man to gain the whole world, yet forfeit his soul? I think we can ask the same question when it comes to building a home. What would it profit a family to have dynamic careers, but lose your family? It's the same kind of question here, and it's a focusing question. The second thing that is important to us in the psalmist's view is the view of kids. Look at verse 3. It says, behold, children. By the way, behold is that, let me have your attention. What I'm about to say is extremely important. Okay, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a reward. Here's my question. When was the last time you saw your kids as a heritage, let alone a reward? 
right? I see you young mom and dads coming into church. You're just barely making it. We've been there. Living on a prayer. <laughs> you're just hoping to make it to your next deal. You're, you're just glad you're dressed. You know what I mean? And, and by the way, we want you to come. If you're coming in hot, we're just glad that you're here. Okay? I, I, I joke because uh, some, some of y'all are in this, in this room. Our parents, a preschoolers class that meets, they're supposed to start at 930. It's, it, it starts at 10. Okay? If you ask them what time church starts, it's at 10. Right? And, and man, they're just, you're, you're just existing, right? Because the truth is, let's be honest, it's hard to see children as a heritage and a reward when you're changing dirty diapers. Like, what kind of reward is that? That's not a reward. That's terrible. When you're dealing with terrible twos, threes, fours, fives, fifteens, sixteens, seventeens, right? When you're cleaning up after them, getting on to them, and on the verge of a nervous breakdown, am I right? It's hard to see children as a reward. But here's the thing that we've got to grab a hold of. Mom, dad, your kids are a tremendous blessing from God himself. They're a heritage, a reward, a gift. See, if we're going to build godly homes, we have to change the way in which we see our kids. Because in our day and time, our society does not use these words to describe children. You know what I hear from a lot of couples about having kids? A lot of times I hear words like, children get in the way of lifestyle. Children are a financial burden. My kid is a constant struggle. But listen, this verse says, no, 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 no. You got to see it differently. You got to see your kid as a blessing. Your children as a heritage, as a reward. And the Bible says that the blessing lies in having your quiver full. Now, I don't know what number that is, right? Like, I don't know what quiver full is. We have four, and I'm telling you, we're at the brim, right? Our blessings overfloweth. And, and I don't know what that is for your family, but you, you've got to determine what it is for your family. But I can tell you this. Our kids have been a tremendous blessing to us. Every one of them. And when you see them that way, it changes everything. They're God's blessings. I know that in a room this size, I feel like I need to address this real quick. That there may be those of you that are couples and you're desiring to have kids and for whatever reason, you just can't. And, and you feel the weight of that, especially in a sermon like this. And, and let me just say something to you, if I can, if that's you. Uh, there are many different ways that you can experience the blessing of children. Foster care, adoption, volunteering at church, being a mentor, investing, teaching. There's so many different ways. And I want you to know, I know that if that's your heart's desire to have children, it's actually a biblical desire. God says to be fruitful and multiply. And I want you to know we pray for you. We pray that you will experience the gift of a child. But until God makes that happen, I would encourage you to find ways to experience the blessing of children by investing in them 
in a variety of different ways. We can help you do that, by the way. Kids are a precious gift from God, and we got to see them that way. And the way we build godly homes is we prioritize our children. How do we do this practically? Well, I've heard people say that, Pastor Chris, quality time is far more important than quantity time because quantity time can be bad time. And that's true. Quality time is of most importance. But here's what I would have you see. Quality time is found in the presence of quantity time. You don't get to the quality time with your family until you spend the quality time with them, or the quantity time with them. Does that make sense? So we've got to invest time in the appropriate directions. It's helpful to us in discovering these, this quality time. This is why we've created the, the resource Have a Convo that we started distributing last week. It's a discussion tool for you to use with your family. We're asking at least once a week to sit down with your family. We did it the other night, and it was a lot of fun getting our family uh, talking. So if you would like a resource, Brittany Burns, our Minister of Missions and Mobilization, will be in the lobby after the service, and we'll put one in your hands so long as supplies last. But you could also download one by going to our church's website, trinitytx.org slash family. And we just want parents and kids to have conversations because it is in the, in the pipeline of conversations that you can pass strong biblical truths. And so we want to just get the conversation started. So we've talked about the foundation of building godly homes, being founded upon the Lord and His Word. We've talked about the functions of the home, that kids are blessings, and we are to prioritize family relationships over projects. Now, let's look at the finishings of a godly home. What are the finishings? Every house has a foundation, every house has a function, and every house has finishings. Some of the most tedious works are the finishings. But I want to focus on this part of a godly home by looking at the end game. What is the end goal of a biblical family? When I was a kid, uh, it came time, I think I was probably about eight, nine, ten years old, somewhere in there, that my dad decided that it's time for Chris to learn how to mow the lawn. And we had this push mower, but it was self-propelled. And uh, it was a challenge for me at first because uh, it, it took me some time to figure out how to let go of the propulsion in order to be able to turn it and go into another direction. Now, to complicate the issues of learning how to mow the lawn was, was my dad, my military dad. My dad was drafted during Vietnam, and my dad was adamant that when you mow the lawn, the lines afterward have to be straight. If they're not, what's the point of mowing, right? Like, if you're just going to mow like an Etch-a-Sketch, then what's the point of mowing, right? And so, so he was like, no, you got to mow a straight line. So you got to leave straight lines. Well, when I first started, this was an extreme challenge. As you can imagine, I, I was all over the place. And, and my dad would say, hey, Chris, I want you to see this line. Does, does that look straight to you? Well, no. I don't know how to fix it, Dad. And my dad gave me some great advice. He said, listen, the reason why you're mowing crooked is because you're focused on the tires. right? You're looking down so you never know when you drift off course. Instead, look forward and, and put in sights where you want to go. And you'll mow straight lines. Sure enough, that helped. And, and what I've learned from that is a life principle. Whenever we want to arrive at a location, we got to put our sights on that location. You got to begin 
with the end in mind. So, so parents, when you're raising a godly home, when you're desiring to build a home, you've got to know and understand what is the end game, right? Where do I want my kids to end? And, and here's the question that you need to answer. It's not just what your kids will wind up doing. It's who your kids wind up becoming. Who do you want them to be? Not just what do you want them to be or what do they want to be. Who? Do you want to be, what kind of character do you want them to possess? We have to begin with the end in mind. We have to keep our eyes on the target. What is the target? Again, Psalm 127, I believe, answers that for us. Let's look again at verse 3 and 4. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a reward like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Heritage is a word that carries the idea of assignment. Your kids come with an assignment, a biblical God-given assignment. What is the assignment? Verse 4, like arrows in the hands of the warrior are the children of one's youth. What do arrows do? Arrows are fashioned. Arrows in uh, the hand of a warrior are aimed. Arrows are prepared, but arrows are launched. And they're not just launched into thin air, right? They're launched at a target in, in a certain direction. So our assignment, parents, is to fashion our arrows, to point our arrows, to aim our arrows, but then ultimately release our arrows. Your children are like arrows in the hand of a warrior. And knowing that target is vitally important because it gives you something to shoot at. Listen, here's the truth. 100 years from right now, what would that be? 2123. In the year 2123, it's not going to matter what your kids scored on the SAT. It's not going to matter how hard they could throw a fastball. It's not going to matter how many scholarships they gained, how many rushing yards they accumulated. None of that's going to matter. It's not even going to matter what career they had. But do you know what is going to matter in 21-23? What your kids did with Jesus. That's what's going to matter. And it's not just going to matter for 21-23. It's going to matter for all of eternity. And this ought to help refine our focus, beloved. We get distracted by many things, but our primary goal is to make sure they don't miss heaven. To make sure and understand that whatever it is that they wind up doing, whoever it is that they wind up becoming, is done so in a way that has kingdom of God impact. That's the focus of parenting. That's the aim of parenting. I heard a pastor say something that has stuck with me, and at first I didn't think I agreed with it. But the more and more I wrestled with it in my head, the more and more I said, you know what, he's right. This is what this pastor said that I heard one time. He said, your children are the only thing you could take with you to heaven. 
And I got to thinking, at first I was like, no, 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 you can't take anything to heaven. But he, he's right. He, in the scriptures, and God seen fit to preserve it for all of eternity, when King David lost his infant son, he said something that is profound. He says, he can't come back to me. Oh, but I will go to him. There's a picture in the scriptures that there will be a reunion for those of us that are in Christ. So in that sense, your kids are the only things that you could take with you to heaven. When you point them to a relationship with Jesus, their eternity is, is secured. Now, there's a freedom here because there's no guarantee, no matter what you do, if you do all the things right, that your kids are going to come to faith. They're going to have to work that out on their own. Because God doesn't have grandchildren. He only has children. We don't get to heaven by our parents' faith, you see. Our kids don't get to heaven by our faith. But here's what I would tell you. With the aim that you're taking, making building a godly home a priority, the chances are greater that they'll come to faith in Jesus as Lord. And thereby, you're able to take your kids to heaven with you. Here's what I want us to see, ultimately, in building a home, that there's a giant payoff. There is a reward. I don't know about you, but I'm in this point in my life where you know, having a 30-year mortgage is like, am I ever <laughs> going to pay this thing off? Right? Is, there, is there a reward at the end of this, of this journey? And the answer in building a godly home is Yes. When we understand that our kids are God's blessings to us, when we focus on the end game, we experience a great payoff. Look at verse 5. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. The word blessed is a word that means happy, satisfied, blissful. Notice the difference between verse 5 and verse 2. Verse 2 is eating the bread of anxious toil. Oh, but verse 5 is a blissful happiness. You see the difference here. There's, there's a payoff. And then the last sentence in verse 5, it says, He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. It seems like a strange way to end this psalm, right? Like, what does that mean? Well, when this was written... The city gate was the area of town where important legal business would happen. And when you had to conduct legal business, it was helpful to you if you had an army of your family stand behind you to speak as a testimony for you. See, there was a sense of pride, the psalmist is saying. There is a payoff one day, when you put in the hard work of building a biblical foundation, when you look at your children as blessings from God, when you steer them to point them towards the things of God, one day there is a payoff, a blessing. And listen, God desires for you to have a happy and blessed family. I believe one of God's gifts is a happy marriage. Does that mean it's always blissful? No. But overall, there's a happy family, a blessed family, unless the Lord builds the house. Those who build it labor in vain. 
we have to make a determination. Are we going to just settle for building empty, meaningless houses? Or are we going to pursue the blessing of building godly homes? You're listening to Trinity Baptist Church's Hope for the Broken podcast. If you would like to learn more about this ministry, visit us online at trinitytx.org. That's trinitytx.org. Here's Pastor Chris to wrap up our time together. Thanks for listening today. I'm so glad that you found this podcast. It is our prayer that you are encouraged and challenged by today's message. It is our goal at Trinity to lead everyone into a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. If you have questions about what it means to trust Jesus as the Lord of your life, we would love to connect with you. Please feel free to give us a call at 903-572-1959 or email us at info at trinitytx.org. If you are ever in the East Texas area, we invite you to join us for worship on Sundays at 930 or 11 a.m. Thanks so much for listening today. God bless you. We pray that you have experienced hope today. If you would like to support the ministries of Trinity Baptist Church with a financial gift, you can do so by giving online. Simply log on to trinitytx.org and click the Give tab. Be sure to join us next week as we look into God's Word on Hope for the Broken.